Hey folks, Brian here. I want to thank you guys for listening to Confessions of an Arcade Addict in the year 2022. It started off pretty good, but the last quarter of the year was really hard on me. I'm trying to recover from it, and hopefully we can get right back on schedule for 2023. And I want to thank each and every one of you who's been along for the ride since I started this in, what, 2018? And 2023 is going to be no different more arcade runs. Hopefully, once my finances get in order, I can get to places like Chicago and maybe even going up into Wisconsin. There's a bunch of arcades in Madison I want to go to. Um, But in the meantime, I need you guys to like, rate, review, and subscribe to Confessions of an Arcade Addict wherever you listen to it, and that helps me grow the podcast. I do plan also on streaming this coming year if I can get the equipment together and hopefully this will turn into bigger and better things. So let's keep going. 2023 is right around the corner and hopefully it's a good year for all of us. Later. This is episode number 60 of the Confessions of an Arcade Addict podcast. Okay, to catch up since uh, I recorded episode 59, which was, what, uh, like, middle of October, I think? Um, let's see. Uh, things have been really hectic, really busy. Um, I also have somehow... Uh, just gotten a massive case of insomnia that basically was with me for well over a month going on two um i couldn't sleep very well at all and when i would sleep i would just pass out and you know then i would just wake up whenever so that wasn't that wasn't pleasant and then on top of that um the first week no second week in december I got my third case of COVID, which was wonderful. (laughs) I mean, I think my son got it and passed it on to us. And yeah, I was off work for five days. And I mean, the symptoms were nowhere near as bad as the second time I got COVID, which was absolutely horrible because that was before the vaccine uh, came into existence. So yeah, I was basically laid up for two weeks the first time this time it was only five days but still um i found myself just being going between bouts of insomnia and then uh then just my body would just be so tired that i would have to sleep but i would only sleep four hours and i'd be awake for four asleep for four you know so on and so forth that that wasn't fun either um let's see uh christmas day has already passed it is now Uh, Monday the 26th, about 12.40 a.m., and, you know, it was a decent Christmas. Um, My son got a couple of gifts, and he will be getting another one, which is going to be arriving late. Um, Aside from that, you know, just a more or less relaxing holiday. Um, I've made uh, three small beef roasts, and everybody liked them, so, you know, that's always pleasant when you cook something and people enjoy what you're making. Uh, let's see, so, um, uh, let's see, when I was with, when I had COVID, I wasn't able to work that Saturday at the arcade, 
Um, I work the last two uh, Saturdays. Uh, this uh, Saturday, we were supposed to be open 12 to 6. That was Christmas Eve. But we have some sort of power issues going on because when I turned on the breakers for all the uh, machines, uh, two-thirds of the games would not fire up. Um, the pinballs, only maybe about, I'd say maybe about half of them would fire up. Um, most of the sterns wouldn't fire up. Um, yeah, so after talking to my manager and talking to the owner of the building, it was decided that after about an hour and a half, where I only had like one family of four come in anyway, and once they saw that all those machines were not working, uh, they decided that they'll come back at another time, and I can't blame them for that. <laughs> you know, on a personal note, if I walked into an arcade and they wanted $20 of my money, and only maybe two-fifths, 40% of the games that were in the arcade were actually working, yeah, I wouldn't want to pay that money either. So hopefully that gets resolved in this coming week in turn so we can be ready for next weekend, which will be open regular hours. So back to my 6 p.m. to 11 p.m. shift for me. Um, so aside from that, yeah, not too much going on. I mean... There, you know, it's all stuff that's been happening, but, you know, it's life. What are you going to do? Okay, let's see. I did check emails and messages and nothing out there. So, once again, uh, if you have a game that you're curious about or you want me to cover or you uh, want to share some stories about arcades there in your area, please, by all means, get a hold of me, arcadeaddictbrian at gmail.com. Also, there is a phone number for voicemails and emails. That number is 734-743-2433. Also, social media is, of course, up and running and ongoing. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr. Uh, on Facebook, just make a search for Confessions of an Arcade Addict. It'll take you right to the page. If you type in Confessions of an Arcade Addict podcast, there's a discussion group there. Um, and I post to those regularly. Um, I did ask a question in the, uh, in the, uh, discussion group, and I got some pretty nice feedback, which was, which was cool. So, you know, it's there. Uh, let's see, on, uh, Instagram, I am Arcade Addict Brian. That's where I am most of the time. Facebook and Instagram are, like, the two places I'm at the most. Um, I do check Tumblr and Twitter, uh, regularly, but, you know, I don't interact with what's going on, especially on Twitter. You know, Twitter's become a dumpster fire over the last, what, month? So, yeah, I just use it for what I use it for, and that's pretty much going to be it. Um, so, but if you want to get a hold of me on Twitter, I am at arcadeaddict underscore B, and Tumblr is tumblr.com slash blog slash confessions of an arcade addict. So, once again, multiple ways of getting hold of the show. And if you're so inclined, you got questions, you got something you want to share that's relative to the podcast, hey, by all means, get a hold of me. We'll talk about it. All right, with all of that out of the way, let's get on with the show. Uh, not too much going on. I do have that on the second part to the On the Road segment uh, at the end, but I do have a few uh, segments in between, so let's get started. Arcade Review. Michigan. Okay, once again, uh, each arcade I visit, uh, I review along five criteria. Location, selection, ambiance, functionality, and value. Uh, they're all fairly self-explanatory. Um, I've gone into uh, in-depth explanations as to uh, each criteria and what it represents as far as I'm concerned. So if you want to see, if you want to 
get a more in-depth thing uh, read on that, just go back into previous episodes, and I've gone into detail there. Uh, let's see. Uh, yes, each criteria is rated from 1 to 10, with half points coming into play. Uh, at the end, you add up all the scores, divide it out by 5, and you come up with a total score. So let's get right to it. Okay, location. I give it an 8. Uh, Keystone is smack dab in downtown Ypsilanti, right on Michigan Avenue, or US-12, which is the official designation. Uh, it's on the northwest corner of Michigan Avenue and Washington Street, and it's only a couple of miles from where I live. Um, Interstate 94 is only a mile or so to the south, and US-23 is about two or three miles to the west. Um, it's easy to get to by car, and there's a bus station literally a block away to the north of this building. Um, and yeah, it's fairly easy to get to, so I give it high marks. Uh, the Barcade shares a building with Bobcat Bonnie's, which is a gastropub. On the ground floor, the arcade is down in the basement. You just walk to the, you walk in the door, turn to your right, go down the staircase, and you're there. Okay, selection. I give it a seven. Um, I might have to up, update this considering the last visit uh, that I went to, but I may have gone on the wrong night. So I'll leave it as is for now. Um, it's a small area for a barcade, but they make the most of the space. There are stern pinball machines, several arcade machines, and a pool table. Um, I remember that in some advertising I read before I visited said that they had a lot of games, and it took me a little uh, walk around, uh, doing a little walk around to see and to see how they could make that claim. And it, at the time of this review, they had two iCape machines, which are machines that have multiple arcade ROMs in them. Uh, each each of them had sixty. Uh, that's a little bit of sneaky advertising on their part, but I'll go with it. Suffice to say that I know, I see what you did there, Keystone. Um, Ambiance, 7.5. Uh, this is a trippy, funky little place, and I like it. Uh, a lot of subtle lighting and interesting colors going on. The bar is in the center of the space, lit by softly glowing lights. There are LED displays which add to the surrealness of the place. And the staff seemed decent and helpful, although all I asked of them was to change a $20 bill. Uh, there's decent seating all around, from tables to couches. Another thing that tripped me out a little bit was these small pair of couches and a chessboard in between them, where two people were playing a rather intense yet quiet game the night I went there. Um, they also have trivia nights most nights of the week, and karaoke, which is pretty cool. I do uh, like a place that offers fun and relaxation in multiple ways and multiple uh, on multiple days. Uh, of course, this was before, just before, this was just after a lot of the pandemic restrictions were lifted, so it's kind of colored that way. Uh, this review was done, oh my goodness, when was it? I can't exactly remember, but um, it was in 2021, and... You know, once the restrictions were lifted and these places could be open until, like, say, what, midnight or so, yeah, that's when I decided to go. Okay, uh, functionality, 6.5. Uh, I played several of the machines and they worked well and looked okay. Um, I would have played all of them, but I walked in the door starving and didn't play as many games as I could have. I will say that the IK controls on the stand-up machine were really tight. And in that, you have to apply some muscle to the stick to get the game to do what you want, and it shouldn't be like that. And like I've said, I've said this before, I've said it a million times, but the iCade machines are only four directional joysticks, and there should be eight for games like 1942 or Time Pilot and things like that. And playing Pac-Man, that's fine, but for games that require uh, movement in eight directions, yeah, that's a bit of an issue. Uh, value, I give it a 6.5. Uh, Keystone runs off of quarters, which is fine. Um, I thought their arcade machines would cost 50 cents, but when I went there, they were only 25 cents. I was kind of surprised by that. I give them average marks for that. Um, they get extra points for being attached to the gastropub above, Bobcat Bonnie's. So basically, you can kind of make an evening of it. You, you know, come walk in the door, have a meal at Bobcat Bonnie's, then go downstairs, have some drinks, and, you know, play some games, have some fun. I mean, it's kind of like the one-up barcade in Farmington, but in reverse, meaning that the burger bar is downstairs, 
and the uh, barcade is on the ground level. You know, it's the exact same thing, just in reverse. Okay, so you add all those scores up, and you average it out by 5, and you get a total score of 7.1. Um, as far as I'm concerned, they've done the barcade right. Um, they took the basement of that building and made it a good experience. Yeah, it's quirky, but it works for them. Um, I look forward to going there after work on a Thursday, Friday, or Saturday night because they've expanded their hours to midnights. Up, oh, see what I said? I said something about that before. Uh, as of this writing. Um, they used to be open until 2 a.m. before the pandemic, and I hope they go back to those hours once it's safe to do so. The games are decent, and it has the feel of a good place to hang out. I'm going to go back there at first opportunity. Okay, mental note. I also went back there. I'm trying to remember when I went back there. I want to say it was... I want to say it was like, um, what? August? August of this year? Um... And, you know, they basically cleared the place out because it was karaoke night. Um, so the there weren't as many machines around. They may have gotten rid of some of them, or they may have just moved them out of the way to create more space. I don't know. I'm going to have to go there again uh, within uh, a few weeks' time or, or so just to see if anything has changed, whether it be positive or negative. I do know that the second visit that I made to bot to uh, Keystone was not quite as nice as the first time I went when I wrote this review so you know I don't know if it was just that night or if it's what they've done with the place since then but you know I still have to report these things I have to be honest about what I see and experience so it, it is what it is okay that is my review for uh, Keystone Bar and Arcade if you live in the Ypsilanti Ann Arbor area and you visit this place regularly and you have any sort of feelings, be they positive, negative, or indifferent about it, just let me know. ArcadeAddictBrian at gmail.com. All right, so let's move on to Are You Experienced? I'm too old for this. Hiding in front seats like a teenager. Oh, but I think I'm getting too old for this stuff. I'm getting too old for this. Listen, you was born too old for this. I'm getting too old for this. I'm getting too old for this. Lying wet arse to my head or chasing other men's cattle. I'm getting too old for this sort of thing. Maybe you're getting too old for this. What do you think, huh? I'm not too old for this shit. I'm not too old for this shit. You will not. We're not too old for this shit. We're not too old for this shit. We're not too old for this shit. like you believe. We're not too old for this shit. We're not too old for this shit. I'm not going to buy a hemorrhoid cookie. We're not too old for this shit. Are you experienced? Street Fighter II Champion Edition. <laughs> My favorite of the Street Fighter franchise by far, and that's just how it is. Um... So, you know, I mean, I went into pretty much in, you know, pretty deep, I took a pretty deep dive into Street Fighter 2 when, uh, in episode 59, and it was a lot of information to read, you know, because like, like it was said, and it's part of history, Street Fighter 2, aside from what is it, Pac-Man and Space Invaders, I think Street Fighter 2 is the third most earnings of an arcade machine all time if i'm not mistaken so yeah i mean there was a lot of information and story there which was cool but um the sequel which came out a year later street fighter 2 champion edition that was my jam i mean i absolutely loved it and you know but i'll get into my experiences after all this so let's go on over to wikipedia and let's do a little bit of reading Street Fighter 2 Champion Edition, released as Street Fighter 2 Dash in Japan, is a fighting game released by Capcom in 1992. It was launched for arcades and converted to several video game consoles. It is the first of several updated versions of Street Fighter 2 and part of the Street Fighter series. The main changes are the addition of the four Grandmasters, the final four computer-controlled opponents in single-player mode as playable characters and mirror matches, or Aliax as my former roommate used to say uh the fighting techniques of the eight main characters from the original game were further balanced for competitive play champion edition was followed several months later by street fighter 2 turbo yes it was uh the gameplay is consistent with the street fighter 2 subseries with several changes from the original world world warrior edition in addition to the eight main characters the four shadowloo bosses 
Balrog, Vega, Sagat, and M. Bison are now playable characters. The Shadowloo bosses were toned out considerably from the previous iterations, but remain relatively strong compared to the standard eight fighters. The returning eight main characters' techniques and priorities were further balanced for competition between different characters. Ryu's and Ken's common fighting techniques were further differentiated. In World Warrior, both players are not allowed to choose the same character. This restriction has been eliminated in Champion Edition, allowing for mirror matches, or like I said, Aliax. Uh, minor graphical changes included color improvements, particularly for background stages. The portraits for all the characters and endings of some of the returning characters were redrawn. There is new music for the end credit sequence. Uh, let's see, they have a chart here for all the releases starting in 1993, which was the PC Engine and also the Sega Genesis, uh, the X68000, the Sega Master System, Sega Saturn, uh, PlayStation, PlayStation 2, Xbox, PlayStation Portable, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Nintendo Switch, and Windows. Uh, that ranges uh, from the years 1993 to 2018. Uh, let's see. Uh, the reception really quick. Uh, in Japan alone, 140,000 Street Fighter II Dash Arcade hardware units were sold at 160,000 yen, which is $1,300 in 1992 money. A piece earning 22.4 billion yen or $182 million in hardware sales revenue, equivalent to uh, that's $362 million in 2021 money. Uh, in the United States, between 20 and 25,000 Champion Edition arcade units were sold, similar to Street Fighter II The World Warrior. This totals about 165,000 Champion Edition arcade units sold in Japan and the United States. In Japan, Game Machine listed Street Fighter 2 Dash in its May 15, 1992 issue as the most successful edit. <clears throat> in Japan, Game Machine listed Street Fighter 2 Dash in its May 15, 1992 issue as the most successful table arcade cabinet of the month, outperforming games such as Sonic Wings, which is Arrow Fighters in the U.S. Uh, Street Fighter 2 Dash went on to become the second highest grossing arcade game of 1992, just, be just below the World Warrior. Dash was also the fourth highest grossing arcade game of 1993 in Japan. In the United States, Champion Edition drew a high amount of orders upon its debut in March of 1992. It was number one on Replay's May 1992 coin-op earnings for upright arcade cabinets and remained at the top of the charts through the summer up until September of 92. Champion Edition was also the top-grossing overall video game on the Playmeter arcade char charts in June 1992 and remained the top-grossing video game on the Playmeter arcade char charts through September of 92. It went on to be the highest-grossing dedicated arcade game of 92 in the United States, according to Replay and the Amusement and Music Operators Association. Uh, later on Replay's charts, Champion Edition was number four on Upright Cabinet charts in April and May of 1993. It was one of the top five highest grossing conversion kits of 1993. In the United Kingdom, the game was also a major hit, like the original Street Fighter II. In Australia, where the game cost 6000 Australian dollars, or 4400 US dollars per unit, the launch of Champion Edition drew large crowds queuing up outside arcades to play the game. On Australia's Time Zone monthly arcade charts published in the June 1992 e issue of Leisure Line magazine, Street Fighter II Champion Edition was the top-grossing arcade conversion kit. Street Fighter II Champion Edition's worldwide arcade earnings exceeded $2.3 billion in gross revenue. That's $4.44 billion in 2021 money. Uh, this makes it one of the top three highest-grossing arcade games of all time after Pac-Man and Space Invaders. Uh, the Accolades. Upon his North American debut at the Acme Exposition in March 1993, it was declared Game of the Show by Replay and Playmeter magazines. Street Fighter II Dash was awarded Best Game of 1992 in the 6th Annual Grand Prize in Japanese, as published in the February 1993 issue of Gamist magazine, winning once again in the category of Best Action Game. Dash placed number three in Best VGM, Let's Video Game Music, number six in Best Graphics, number five in Best Direction. The Street Fighter II Image album was the number one best album in the same issue, with a drama CD version of Street Fighter II tied for number seven with the soundtrack for Starblade. 
And I will say something right here. The Street Fighter II Image album is some of the best video game music I have ever heard. Uh, when my uh, roommate played that for me, when I first started hanging out with her in the summer of 93, I was blown away at how good it was. Absolutely just blown away. I mean, as it turns out, you know, um, the band that makes it, uh, Alf Lira, uh, they have since racked up a massive reputation for video game soundtracks through the years, you know, in through the 90s into the 2000s. And they've come up with some of the best music I've ever heard, but Street Fighter 2 Image Album. I still listen to that that album to this day, ever since I was able to uh, find it online. Uh, let's see. To continue, the list of best characters was not dominated by Street Fighter 2 characters this time, with only the character at the top 10 being Chun-Li at number 3. Okay, 2 Special Champion Edition. The Sega Mega Drive... Uh, Genesis version, Street Fighter 2 Special Champion Edition, yielded sales of 1.665 million cartridges. This version was below Capcom's sales expectations due in part to competition from the original Mortal Kombat, which was also released in 1992. Uh, this version was nevertheless a bestseller in Japan, the UK, and the US. The Mega Drive version, Special Champion Edition, received positive reviews. In November of 93, Famitsu Magazine's Reader Cross Review gave it a 10 out of 10. It received 10 out of 10 for both graphics and addiction from Mega, who described it as, quote, a candidate for best game ever and without the doubt the best beat-em-up of all time, end quote, and gave it an overall 92% score. Megatech scored at 95% and commented, quote, the greatest coin-op hits the Mega Drive in perfect form, end quote. Edge gave the PC Engine version of Champion Edition a score of 8 out of 10. And that's all the information they have for Champion Edition, even though they quoted uh, a number of different sources. So, yes, my experiences with it. Okay, I think the first time I played this game was either at Crazy 8's Arcade or Milford Rec. I'm pretty sure it was Crazy 8's. It might have been Milford Rec, but the timing is a little weird because both places had the game. Uh, when I could find, when I found out I could play Sagat, I was immediately down for it, although I still played Chun-Li a lot. The game was better balanced and a little bit faster, too. Uh, I spent a lot of money at Crazy 8's learning how to play Sagat and learning how to use his superior reach to play defensively and then learning how to incorporate his tiger shots and then to use his tiger uppercut and tiger knee to inflict heavy damage on my opponents and properly use combos. Milford Rett got two of these machines and throughout 1992 I would see it around in supermarkets, corner stores, and bodegas. It wasn't until I moved to Florida in 1993 and met my roommate that my game really started to elevate. She would kick my ass regularly at first, but I learned and got better until we were pretty much equals and I started to surpass her. In her case, I was playing the person and not the game. I think she stopped playing against me when we were playing Special Champion Edition for the Genesis, and I'd hit her with a frame-perfect Tiger uppercut out of her beast roll for the win. It was a crazy thing that happened, but yeah, I think that was the last time we played each other. <laughs> at least until Super Street Fighter 2 came out later that year. I was thinking about doing a strategy segment, but this game is so close to Street Fighter 2 that 90 to 95% of your combos and strategies work. It's just that the gameplay is more balanced. You won't do as much damage as you would in Street Fighter 2, but they still work. It requires a bit of a rethink about what to do and when to do it, though. This is my favorite fighting game of them all. I like Super Street Fighter just fine, but I just flow better with this game. Whenever I go to Pinball Pizza, I always play a game or two of this, and any time I find it in my travels, I always drop a quarter or two. And that's the truth. <laughs> that's Street Fighter 2 Champion Edition. So, I know there's Street Fighter 2 players out there, so where are you guys at? <laughs> you know, talk to me. You know, get a hold of me. I gave you the, the place's house, so... You know, you got something to say, you know, you think you're superior playing this character a certain way or that character a certain way. Um, hey, tell me about it. Tell me your experiences. Brian at gmail.com. All right. And finally, on this short show, we're going to go on the road. Uh, this is part two of the, I think it was more of a stream of consciousness thing that I had. I recorded this in February 20th of 2021. So let's get right back to part two, and I'll see you guys next time.
Hey folks, I'm back. This is part two. And let me tell you guys something. Now, I know it's going to be uh, several months at least before this comes out. But this was one of the best arcade runs that I've ever been on solo or with company. I mean, let's understand something. Like I said in part one, I don't think I have been here in like at least two, two and a half months. Sometime in November, I think. Or or maybe even December. Somewhere in there. But say between two and a half and three and a half months. And I was playing games for research on uh, emulation. And I wasn't doing so well. And... I was starting to think and starting to wonder if I was starting to lose it. I mean, full disclosure, of course, you guys know, I'm 52 years old now, and I can almost name to the day when doing the simplest things in life became something of a trial. And... Of course, we all go through it. We really start going down that slippery slope when we get into our middle to late 40s, but especially once we start dancing around and dancing with 50. So I was just wondering in the back of my mind as I walked in the arcade after, you know, I signed off with you guys uh, concluding part one that okay, let's just see what's going on here because I'm starting to wonder about my gaming reflexes. And so, let's see. I decided to warm up with... Oh, what did I play first? Oh, I can't even remember now. I'm so, like, gobsmacked and flabbergasted. Um... I warmed up with a few games, um, just, you know, messing around, not doing anything really special or off the cuff. Um, so I decided to play after do after just playing a couple games, you know, sort of just work up a bit of a sweat and get the wrists and fingers and elbows, uh, loosened up and ready to go. I decided to play Star Wars and... I beat my all-time high score, again. I mean, I posted it on Instagram, it's up right now. Of course, by the time you hear this, this is gonna be at least a couple of months in the future, maybe longer before you hear this on the road segment. And my high, all-time highest score was still the high score on the machine. It was like, what, uh, what, a million, 760,000 or something like that. And, you know, I mess around with that game, and I mean, I'm just playing it, and I'm not even thinking about the score until I get around a million seven, and I, I basically just extend it by about what, about eighty thousand points, like a million eight thirty, and I, and I could have gotten, I think I could have gotten to two million. I honestly believe it, because there were just some things that I was messing up on that I shouldn't have, but that is more rust with the game. You know, as far, at least as far as I'm concerned, that's what it is. It's rust, you know, but I was able to see things better when it came to the trench runs. You know, I was doing really well in the dogfight segments, 
I was getting more of the tower levels, getting that all-important, like, what, 100,000-point bonus for shooting all the towers. Um, I was getting more of those than I was missing them. And I put up a good score, and I was like, wow. <laughs> I guess I still do have it. So after that, you know, I'm just, you know, walking around the arcade, just, you know, sort of playing what, you know, takes my fancy and so forth. And I decided to play Gorf. And I get my all-time high score on that. You know, now, it's not a really, really high score. It's only like, what, 42,000? But I got Space Avenger ranking. I never got it before. The most I've ever gotten was, what, uh, Space Warrior, the previous ranking, ranking number five. I actually got ranking number six. And I was like, okay, <laughs> this, is a, this is not a bad run so far. So, you know, I mess around. I play some Donkey Kong. I do okay. I get like 89,000 points. That's, I think that's just below average for me. Usually my average is right around 100,000. Um, then I play Time Pilot and, you know, I just wasn't feeling it. So I abandoned ship on that. And then, you know, I play... Uh, um, Berserk, I get the top score on that machine, which is actually good because I haven't played Berserk with any kind of seriousness since probably, I'd say probably six months ago, you know, when I went to the arcade and their Berserk machine was actually working. Actually, what they ended up doing was putting the, um, Berserk, uh, PCB board into the Frenzy machine they had. And, you know, I got like, what? almost 9,000 points, which is pretty good. I got to the white robots. I haven't, I haven't done that in a while either. So yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah. I played asteroids. It was a pedestrian 29,000 points. Um, played, uh, Phoenix a couple of times, you know, got like, oh goodness, like one game I got like, what, 21,000 points. The other one I only got like 9,000 or something. Cause I messed up on, uh, the, uh, mothership screen. Um, let's see. And so, yeah, and I played Robotron. The Robotron machine isn't working right. The left control stick doesn't, uh, when it, you know, the, doesn't work right when it moves to the left, just like the, uh, machine at, uh, Pinball Pete's. And, you know, you know, I'm messing around. I played, um, Bosconian, got like, what, like 110,000 or something like that, you know, nothing really to write home about. So I didn't, you know, take pictures to put up on Instagram like I normally do, even though I probably should. Um, so after playing, you know, you know, I worked up a pretty good sweat. So I go and get us Coke out of the soda machine and, um, you know, take a break post the pictures that I did take on Instagram, which, uh, all, all switch over to, um, Twitter and, uh, Tumblr as well as a uh, Facebook. Um, but the, the Facebook ones are under my name. I'm going to have to post the pictures on the, uh, on the, um, podcast, um, Facebook page. Um, and then, you know, I'm just like, you know, just chilling out, played a couple more games you know, I, well, that's right. The first game I played when I walked in there was Tron and the, uh, trigger, the trigger mechanism isn't working because it took me three tries to get past the first stage of the light cycles. And of course that trigger also, um, also is the fire button for the IO tower and the tanks and the, um, and the MCP cone, so it wasn't working right, so I wasn't able to get any sort of decent score. I think I only got, like, 14,000, which wasn't a lot. Um, so, yeah, I play a couple more games, and, you know, I'm just chill. I just chill out for 15 minutes up in the, uh, the party area upstairs, you know, and then I just, I say, you know what, I'll play a couple more games, and I'm just gonna call it a night, because I, I still have to go to the store. As a matter of fact, that's where I'm at right now. I'm in the parking lot of the Kroger right down the street. 
and I need to jump in there and get a couple of things for uh, home. So I'm going to pause this. Be right back. Okay, I'm back. So, so yeah, I, I did my, high, my all-time high score on Gorf. Uh, played a few more machines, wasn't feeling it, wasn't happy that the Robotron machine wasn't working properly. And so I just decided to take a Coke, you know, buy a Coke and go take a break, which is probably what I should do every time I go there instead of just trying to muscle through the entire run without taking a break, because usually I wreck myself doing that. Um, so I do that, you know, come back down, play a couple more games. Then I'm like, okay, it's eight o'clock. I need to start thinking about, you know, getting to the store and getting home. And I said, well, let me play Ms. Pac-Man one time before I leave. And so I get on the machine and I proceed to set my all-time high score on that machine, 901,000. Now, like I said, and have said since uh, I started talking about the arcade in Brighton on this show, um, this Ms. Pac-Man has a really funky scoring setup. I can always say that. It's like 25 points per pellet. Um, I think 150 or maybe 200 per uh, power pellet, I think. I've never really took the time to uh, find out what that scoring is for the power pellets and eating the ghost goes 200 points, 400, 800, 8,000. <laughs> it's like 1,600 times five. So it's like everything in, I think everything in that game except for the first three ghosts and the fruits are, the score values are multiplied by five. Um, let's see, I'm going to hit the drive-thru at McDonald's real quick because I'm starving and I don't think the chicken that I set out um, to make for dinner later tonight is going to be fully thawed. For full disclosure, I'm making chicken cacciatore tonight, you know, which is pretty easy to make. And there's enough food there for both my girlfriend and my son to eat, so I'm not really gonna sweat it. So, pause. Okay, I'm back. And we're on the highway and heading home. I had to pull over into the McDonald's drive-thru and order my usual uh, quarter pounder no cheese meal with a sweet tea. Um, Oh, God, nothing beats McDonald's fries when they are fresh. I've said that for years. The only other place that could match them when the fries are fresh was Wendy's before they decided to change them to have the French fries with the skin on, which, unless, you're, unless you are really, really good at cooking them, they don't come out quite as well. But anyway, I digress. So... Like I said, that Ms. Pac-Man machine is really, really funky. Hyperspeed, almost all the point values are multiplied by five, and you can rack up a really, really good score if you know what you're doing. And I think my last score that I put up on that machine was like, what, 848,000, I think. I'd have to go back into the Instagram uh, history to see it because that's the last time I posted it and I put up 901,000 and it was to the point where and unfortunately this happens all the freaking time with me is that when I'm doing really well in a game and I start thinking about the milestone of a million points and I psych I end up psyching myself out. I try liter I try literally to ball up that thought like a a wasted piece of paper and throw it away. I try every single time and it doesn't quite work because 
you know, it's just one of those things where I'm excited because I'm that close to a million points. I mean, before I could reliably turn over Galaga, the same thing would happen. Uh, when I got my all-time high score on uh, Robotron, which is what, 891,000, I started thinking about that, and that's the last thing you need to do with Robotron. Because with Robotron, I've said it before, you have to get in a serious flow state to um, really do well at the, at the game. Of course, it doesn't hurt that the game should be in good operating order, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. But, I mean, I've said it before, nothing annoys me more than a game machine that isn't in good repair it's not functioning correctly because I mean it's not that big of a deal at the arcade because you know you just pay your money you get a wristband and you're there as long as you want to be um but yeah when it's like at Pinball Pete's and to Pinball Pete's credit, I know I've been bagging on them since episode one, but to Pinball Pete's credit, Williams Row in the main entrance, all those Williams machines are a quarter. You know, I give, I'll give them their props for that, even though they need to devote some time to getting those machines operating fully and, you know, and completely. Like, the uh, stick control for the Defender machine doesn't work quite right. And, like with, like I said, the uh, left movement controller isn't, you know, working well either. Same thing for the machine at the arcade. And so, but anyway, that's either here or there. Um, but, yeah, when I'm in, when there's that goal in sight... You know, a million points, at least to me, and maybe I'm still in the old school uh, method of thought when it comes to scores on on arcade machines. But anytime you get close to a million points, or anytime I get close to a million points, I start getting overly excited. I mean, with Galaga, it's no big deal, you know. One of these days, I, if I've got like two or three hours to spare, I would love to sit myself down at a Galaga machine and do the two-player um, trick and see if I see how many millions of points I can score on Galaga. I'm pretty sure I'm good for at least two million points, at least two million. Uh, I think my all-time high score, as far as Galaga goes, I think is like about a million seven, somewhere in there, a million six, million seven, million eight, somewhere in there. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it was the same thing with Ms. Pac-Man tonight. I mean, I could have really seriously knuckled down and just knocked it out. It would have taken me like, what, seven more boards to score a million points? Because on average, uh, each uh, board on Ms. Pac-Man, once you get to the point where you're switching between the third and fourth boards every three screens, and you're, when you hit the power pellets, all it does is cause the ghost to reverse their field, you're scoring on average about 10 to 12,000 points. Now that goes way up if you get the good fruits, you know, the apple, the banana, and the pear, which is 1,000, 5,000, 2,000 points respectively. Um, there was one particular board where I got two uh, bananas and I was very happy with that because that was well over 20,000 points for the board. So, I mean, it's like I've said uh, for um, Time for Some Strategy with Ms. Pac-Man. Once you get past the uh, first banana stage, it's all random. 
you can have a really good game, you can have a really crappy game if uh, RNG is not with you. If, you know, RNGesus is not with you. Um, so, I mean, and the thing was, as soon as I got past my high score, I couldn't remember exactly what my high score was. I knew it was like right around 850,000, could have been 840, 850, 860. But once I got to 870, I was like, oh my God, I'm close to a million. And once I put that thought in my head, I, psych- I end up psyching myself out. It happens every time. It's one of these things where with this game, with this game in particular, with this machine in particular, it's one of these things where I just need to just not look at the score anymore. It's like, just play the game, you know, run, you know, run your patterns and just knock it all out. You know, just knock it out. I can probably do it. I'll probably end up doing it the next time I go up there, which might be next weekend because my godson really wants to go up there. You know, he wants to go up there and he wants to play games, you know? So (laughs) now that I have a car, and it doesn't belong to the company I work for, and I can go pretty much anywhere I want to, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, sky's the limit, you know? I mean, I'm gonna go to that um, that bar up in Frasier that has a good arcade and a really good selection of pinball machines. I'm gonna go up there soon, maybe sometime in March. You know, once I get the um, the financial situation squared away, I mean, full disclosure, I mean, now I've just added on an extra, what, was it $250 a month I have to pay out for the car and the insurance on the car? You know, I, you know, so I have to let a couple of, I think I have to let like one month go by so I can figure out you know, okay, you know, I can pay my car payment with this check, I can pay all my bills with my home care money, and, you know, I can do, you know, make sure, you know, my, uh, you know, my car, you know, the gas tank is, you know, always full. Um, I think just going to and from work and doing home care, uh, full tank of gas in my car will last me almost two weeks which is pretty impressive considering this is a mid-sized SUV I'm driving. You know, it's not like my Toyota Matrix, which was like 27 uh, city and 30 highway, you know, and I could get, you know, a good 360, 370 miles on one tank of gas. I don't think this thing, because it's bigger and there's only a four-cylinder engine under the hood, hey, beggars can't be choosers. I would have loved to have the all-wheel drive uh, version of this uh, vehicle, which would have a three-liter V6 under the hood, but I couldn't uh, justify the payments. It would have pushed the payments to close to $250 a month, and I couldn't justify doing that. Not in the situation I was where I'm coming off one job and I'm starting another and I don't know, I didn't know what my working hours were going to be. So, you know, so, you know, we'll see. Um, yeah, but I am going up to Frasier. I am going to go to Detroit. I'm going to go back to, uh, Pop's Pizza off world arcade. I am going to go over to Ready Player One, even though everybody gives it crappy marks. I'm still going to go over there just to see what's going on, and I'll see if the negative reviews are justified. Um, There are a couple more places in the greater Detroit area. There's a bar over here uh, in Ypsilanti, which is the next town over from Ann Arbor, which is where I live. Um, There's a bar over there that has um, games and uh, pinball machines I want to check out. You know, I may end up going back to, um, um, oh goodness, what was it called? Oh, uh, the one barcade in, uh, Farmington. I may go back there, you know, and just hang out, maybe even have a couple of drinks and just, you know, 
see what see what's going on. You know, you know. Now that I have my own mode of transportation, and I don't have to worry, and I don't have to, you know, think about, you know, well, <laughs> because full disclosure, my former employer, because I had a vehicle I was taking home every night to get to and from work and to do home care, uh, he decided because somebody was doing something with the vehicles that they shouldn't have been, he put a tracker in my car, you know, and then he's going to try to call me out one day, um, because I had to go to the store, or at least I tried to go to the store at three o'clock in the morning to get, you know, to get a couple of things that were necessary. Never mind that the store was closed, you know, COVID rules. They were only open till midnight, but I didn't know that. But he calls me in his office and he asks me about where, where were you going at three o'clock in the morning? He says, just going to the store. You know, there's a mire right around the corner from where I live. And I thought they were open 24 hours a day, but they reduced their hours. I didn't know that. So I basically went there, found out they were closed and went immediately went back home. You know, he was trying to find out what I was doing so he could fire me. <laughs> and as it turns out, because I had the audacity to call in sick while I'm on my uh, two weeks notice because I wake up with a severe headache and uh, nausea and I can barely make it from my bed to the bathroom and back. You know, I had the audacity to call in and just say and, and tell him, you know, tell him it's like uh, this is how I'm feeling. I can I can barely walk 25 yards right now. So, I mean, I'll, I don't want to call in, but I have to. I'm not going to get behind the wheel when I'm feeling like this because I'll end up driving into something or someone. <laughs> and um, like two hours later, my manager calls me up and basically says, yeah, he's just decided to fire you. And I'm like, okay, fine, whatever, <laughs> you know, and he, and my manager came down and he went and picked up the vehicle and, you know, he saw that I was sick, you know, he see, you know, he, I've worked with I, my manager and I, we worked together fairly closely for the year and a half that I almost two years that I was with this company. He knows when I'm not feeling well. I very rarely, rarely call in if I'm not, if, you know, I'm not feeling 100%. And the last time that I called in was, um, before COVID broke out, you know, and actually when it comes down to it, I think I had COVID in December, you know, before it was like a, a national uh, awareness thing in this country. I think COVID was already here and they're just not talking about it um, and they're not telling us. So that was the last time I called in. That was like December of 2019. I mean, I worked straight through the pandemic, the worst of the pandemic all the way up through the holidays and everything like that. And if he, if I was asked to go and do extra, you know, do extra stops and do, you know, and things like that, that I wasn't really supposed to because it belonged to another driver, I just said, okay, sure, I'll do that. And, you know, that's this the kind of person that I used to work for. And I'm very grateful that I'm not working for him now. Because, yeah, it was just stress, like 50,000 kinds of stress. It was ridiculous. Okay, so I just pulled in at home, and I'm going to call it here. Because I think I'm just going to chill out for the rest of the night. Um, uh, I don't know when I'm going to put this up. I mean, I've still got a, a bunch of on-the-road segments that go before this. I mean, I'm only now getting towards, what... I may have to redo my uh, on-the-road schedule as far as putting them in shows because I'm, like, almost, 
I think I'm like almost two years behind at this point. I'm just now getting through the summer of 2019 as far as on the road segments that I've recorded. And I still have a bunch of them sitting in waiting in the wings to be attached to uh, episodes. So I think that's what I'm going to do tonight. I'm going to redo my release schedule for these segments so I can try to get caught up. Because, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm talking about, the, you know, the last one I put out was July of 2019. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's a little too far back. That's a year and a half ago now. So yeah. All right. Anyway, so I'll do, I'll take care of that tonight. As a matter of fact, mental note. Um, so until next time, this is Brian from the nice little cabin of his new car saying, have fun out there. Good gaming. Stay safe. Stay smart. We're going to get through this. Just hang in there. Au revoir. This has been the Confessions of an Arcade Addict podcast. All music has been provided by Kevin McLeod. You can find his music at Incompetech.com. You can contact the show by email at arcadeaddictbrian at gmail.com or you can call and leave a voicemail at 734-743-2433. Until next time, you have been listening to the Confessions of an Arcade Addict podcast. See you then.